news and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Happy Friday. We got just a couple of hours to go before our weekend begins. Um... I've not talked a whole lot about what's happening with the Mar-a-Lago story because it's still evolving a little bit. But I wanted to wait until there was a significant uh, thing that happened again to bring it up again because I think both sides are kind of dug in and neither side is going to give. And I've made my position on this very, very clear. Um, I want to wait and see what the president took. I don't want to hear leaks. I don't want to see pictures of of folders. I will wait and see what the evidence says Um, because I don't know what the president took. If he took things he shouldn't have had. I will be as angry at him as I was at Hillary Clinton for what she did because that's the example we keep using. I want to remain intellectually honest. I can say I voted for somebody twice. I thought their policies were better. I voted over Hillary. I voted over uh, over Biden. I thought he was a better choice for president. And then at the same time say if he did something I believe is wrong, disagree with him. And I reserve that right, and I will. At the same time, I've watched them spend four years, and I say them, Nancy Pelosi and leadership in our government on the Democratic side of the aisle go after the president for four years and came up with nothing. So for everybody out there that's about to send me all everything they got, they got nothing. You go look at the Mueller report. And and I don't want to rehash it. It, It's old news. But I've seen how they do things, how politics on both sides of the aisle. If you like this person, you excuse bad behavior. If you hate this person, they can't do anything right. And they hate President Trump, the former president of the United States, with a passion. So I'm not letting them off the hook for having this not be something that was overtly politically motivated, that could have been handled a different way because this is a former president of the United States. So I'm going to wait and see. So now a special master has been named. It's a judge named Raymond Deary who also was a FISA court judge. So I want you to hear a little bit from an ABC report. This is Pierre Thomas on the special master. The judge wants a third party, in this case a special master, to help determine what's classified and what's not. And what the former president may be allowed to claim as privileged. She appointed a former federal judge, Raymond Deary, who has experience in national security matters, to look at documents and to conclude his work by November 30th. Now, there will be, and we have to acknowledge, there are going to be segments on both sides that will not believe the findings of this judge no matter what. If it's good for Trump, there are people on the left that will never believe it. They will believe that somehow this was a setup. And if there are people, if, 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 if the former President Trump is found to have been taking documents he wasn't supposed to have and putting them in locations that weren't secure, there are people on his side of the aisle that will never believe he did anything wrong and they were planted there. What we have to hope for is that this special master will be believed by the masses because we are we are just such a short time away from 2022 and then we will be sprinting toward 2024 everyone out there that is saying i can't wait until this election is over it's never over this is groundhog day we are perpetually in an election cycle The judge ruling in this case, I want you to hear more about it from ABC. The judge saying she's not willing to accept the DOJ's assertion that the documents taken were classified, and she demanded they be handed over to a special master for review. Trump claims he declassified the documents in question, and there are witnesses, though his attorneys have not argued that point. And again, 
that's the other thing that there is a difference between a technicality in the law and what people believe is right and wrong. So technically, if the president of the United States could declassify any document the president wants to, then he could have declassified all those documents. Legally speaking, then they have to wrestle with whether or not that's true. And if it's true, he's unprosecutable in this case. That doesn't necessarily mean he did the right thing. That's the other part of trying to be objective in this. Why don't we wait and see what that is? And that's what this judge is saying. And let's see what happens. Now, this is this may surprise some of you. This is from Fox News, and it's a poll about whether or not President Trump in the minds of public opinion did something wrong. A new poll from Fox News finds 65 percent of people surveyed believe Trump was wrong to take the documents. So that's a Fox News poll. 65% believe he was wrong in taking documents. Why that matters? Because this, uh, the former president wants to run. You know, at least he's talked a lot about running in 2024. He's even mentioned in the last couple of days he might run even if he gets indicted for something. He might run. If 65% of Americans believe that what the president did was wrong, and this is just how history repeats itself, um, how many people in America thought what Hillary did was wrong? I would say that a um, an objective look at the election cycle, there were two things that happened that cost Hillary Clinton that election more than anything else. It could have been multiple things, but there were two significant things that happened. One of them was she ran a terrible campaign. She was lazy in the end. She counted votes she didn't have, and Trump outworked her at the end. You can disagree if you want to, but you go look at the map of districts across this country that twice voted for Barack Obama, flipped by one or two percentage points for Trump. He worked his butt off, and she didn't. The other significant occurrence was the documents on her server and how indignant she was about being asked, did you wipe that server? And she said, like, what, with a cloth and mocked it? And people thought she was wrong. The number one, when you do that word association, the word, the number one word when somebody said word association, Hillary Clinton, the number one word. No, it's not the one you're thinking. It was some form of the word liar. She wasn't trusted. So now you fast forward to possibly 2024. If public opinion, whether there are charges or no charges, and that's the political argument, that's where, you know, the political supporters of the political left, there were no charges against Hillary. She didn't have any charges. She didn't do it. Okay, but you think Trump is guilty of Russian collusion. Well, look at all the evidence. He was never charged. There was never. We do this. That's politics. That's politics. In the court of public opinion, they didn't trust Hillary. And are you going to the expectation now from people on the right have to look at this and say, if 65 percent of America thinks the president did the wrong thing, you're going to need this special master to really side with you to change their minds. This was either a politically motivated event, a made for TV event to make the president of the United States look really bad, the former president. In the eyes of some, and it was then weaponizing to a degree the FBI and the process, and it could have been done with some other way, and it wasn't, or 
it's going to say that the FBI did what they felt was necessary because of the level of classified documents and what was inside those documents rose to the level that we couldn't wait any longer to negotiate. We had to have those documents back for national security. One of those two things is going to happen. And then we'll find out what America thinks of the special master and if they trust it, period. That's what's going to happen. Oh, man, it just continues with this uh, conversation um, about migrants. Martha's Vineyard is being torn apart politically. Um, I have got some messages from message boards from the people over at Martha's Vineyard that you are just going to marvel at. We're going to do that and let you hear from some of the people involved coming up next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thank you so much for being here. I want you to hear a couple of things. This is um, Lisa Bel Castro. She is the coordinator for uh, Martha's Vineyards uh, uh, Homeless Shelter, talking about the people that were dropped off. Now, I want you to hear now, Martha's Vineyard is stretched to capacity. And screaming about how they are being overwhelmed and their services can't handle it. I want you to hear a little bit from the homeless coordinator, the homeless shelter coordinator from Martha's Vineyard. So, what are the most difficult challenges right now? The difficult challenges are uh, we have at some point in time they have to move somewhere else, right? We we cannot we don't have the services to take care of fifty immigrants, um, and we we certainly don't have housing. We're in a housing crisis as we are on this island, and so we we don't we can't house everyone here that lives here and works here. We don't have housing for fifty more people. Okay, I'm very difficult to hear. But first of all, she said the biggest challenge is is pretty soon they're going to have to go somewhere else. This is the homeless services coordinator, number one. Secondly, it's 50 people, 50. So they don't have room on Martha's Vineyard for 50 people. That is... A Thursday morning in Yuma. The idea that we are overwhelming, and we can talk about the politics of this, which I love talking about. But this is where they're tongue-tied, and this is where their trouble comes. There are people – there are Martha's Vineyard message message boards, and people are stepping all over each other. A woman named Pat Nagy asks, what else do they need? And one guy responds, they need housing. You have two summer rentals. So now it's the there is a now a difference between being a sanctuary city or a someone that believes that we should be a sanctuary city in theory and when it affects you specifically. I talk about this often working with organizations that deal with people that are hungry and without shelter and without clothes. It is a humbling experience to see in a place where we are so wealthy that we could still have so much need. And it's something that I wish I could fix. And I try to do my part um, as small as it is. What is sad about this is now you have people that preach what you should be. 
the mayor of Chicago, Sanctuary City, uh, complaining. Uh, the mayor of New York, complaining. It's horrible to put these people on buses. It's, it's terrible to send them here. He's putting them on buses and sending them to Florida. How is that okay? The mayor of Chicago. We're a sanctuary city. Then she's busing people into the suburbs of Chicago. But what is starting to happen is the national discussion on this. And there are those that are going to be completely political. It's a Republican governor or Republican governors. And it is Democrat mayors and Democrat governors. And whether it's Massachusetts or it is um, Washington, D.C. or it is Chicago, Illinois, whatever it is, it's going to be a political battle because that's where it all falls. But in the end, you're going to get the circular argument of, well, if they weren't coming into Texas, we wouldn't be sending them to New York. So if you want us to stop sending them to New York, go tell the president, because he's in your party and he'll listen to you, to stop the flow into our state. You stop the flow into our state, we'll stop the flow into your state. And they are saying they're overwhelmed. I want you just to think about it, Phoenix, any other place in the valley. Um, I guarantee you that Martha's Vineyard is not any smaller and have a lot, any more uh, or have any less availability of housing, and I would venture to say is much more wealthy than Yuma, Arizona. Yuma, Arizona is not a wealthy town. Neither is Nogales, neither are some of these other, neither is Del Rio, Texas. I've been to McAllen, Texas. It is definitely not a, a rich city. Martha's Vineyard doesn't have enough of this, and Martha's Vineyard doesn't have enough of that. All of that could be true. Now, everybody in Martha's Vineyard, if you want to have a reasonable conversation, and this is what I would say if I were one of the mayors of one of these border towns, here's our population. Here is our average net worth, our average annual income for the citizens of these towns. This is what our homeless shelter looks like. This is what our food kitchens look like. This is what we face every day, and if we only had 50 people, we would be dancing in the streets. That's the national conversation. So as long as you want to do Republican-Democrat, Ron DeSantis is a horrible guy, so is Abbott, so is Ducey. As long as you want to do that, then it's going to be a political conversation. But think about it. Martha's Vineyard is wealthy. That's a good thing. I, I Listen, I worked on an island called Sanibel Island, Sanibel and Captiva Islands. There are sister islands off the Gulf, off, in the Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Fort Myers Beach. Very wealthy. Very well off. If you put 50 more people on that island, what would they do? I don't know. Don't know. But it's wealthy enough that they could figure something out. And that doesn't mean they should have to. But neither should Del Rio, Texas. Neither should McAllen, Texas. Neither should Yuma, Arizona. They shouldn't have to. That's the point. So drop the politics and acknowledge that if 50 people is overwhelming your homeless systems, uh, you know, your relief systems, whether it's homelessness or food, imagine what's happening to places like Yuma, Del Rio, and McAllen. I, I, that's the conversation we should be having. And I hope that as soon as all of this rhetoric and screaming gets done with, as soon as the political shouting at each other about Ron DeSantis wanting to be president and we can't let that happen because he's a horrible man, when you start having a real conversation about what's going on, we'll see. We may start getting some results. Coming up in a moment, 
We've got to go back to the topic of the Phoenix Suns. Some new developments. PayPal saying they will pull their sponsorship of the Suns or end it, not renew it, if Robert Sarver comes back as the managing partner. So we'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. You are a 70s rock band fan if you know that this is Kiss. I'm just saying. All right. Um... Grammy Award-winning artist Michael Bublé, not to be confused with the band Kiss. Michael Bublé is heading to the Footprint Center September 20th for his brand-new Hire Tour. Limited tickets are available, but you could win a pair by visiting the contest page at KTAR.com. Um, my ability to withdraw the names and lyrics of songs is amazing, and I cannot find my car keys or my checkbook. I've lost my checkbook. That's a true story. Um, so I'm, I hope some of you can uh, relate to that. Phoenix Suns select Sam Garvin as the team's interim governor uh, Roberts, during Robert Sarver's suspension. Uh, Chris Paul has spoken out. But now the big news this morning is, and it just broke this morning, uh, is that PayPal, who is one of the big sponsors of the Phoenix Suns, as a matter of fact, their logo is on the uniform of the Phoenix Suns, has put out a statement today saying that at the end of this season, our deal as a sponsor of the Phoenix Suns comes to an end. And if Robert Sarber comes back as managing partner, we are out. We're not going to renew. That is so far the biggest news in what direction I believe this is going. Because you've got partners to deal with. This is a business. I mean, let's be honest. It's a business. One of the things I love about sports is for us, it's not a business. That's why we love it so much. But for the owners of these teams, you're talking about hundreds of millions and billions of dollars. And uh, when you start talking about how are you going to pay players, when you are a team that has got in on, you know, you got to pay the luxury tax because you're over the salary cap. You are making an investment in a championship or at least a championship quality team. Um, You are going to charge lots of money for fans to come into your arena to get a ticket. And then you're going to charge them lots of money for food and drink. Because the experience in your mind and in the minds of anybody buying a ticket is it's worth it. But now when you start talking about the people that want to attach themselves to your brand, that is another way. Uh, you know, uh, And I don't want to cloud the two sports or the two issues. But if you go back um, when the Arizona Cardinals used to play at Sun Devil Stadium uh, and Michael Bidwill took over as owner of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Mr. Bidwill said to the state of Arizona and to the Valley as a whole, if we get a stadium, we can put a better team on the field. We can then pay coaches and pay players and do the things necessary to be competitive in our division. And they did it. They got a stadium. And then they went to a Super Bowl. Now, they've had last year didn't end well. This year didn't start well. But if you look at the Cardinals in the stadium they're in now compared to Sun Devil Stadium, they are light years apart. High quality, big name players in the primes of their career, uh, big name coaches with with position coaches and coordinators that are very good at their jobs. And it's a whole different ballgame. 
but it also has a lot to do with sponsorship. State Farm Stadium and the other sponsors that are in the building and signage, it's not cheap. If you want licensing with a major sports franchise, you are going to pay a premium because of the attention they get. But it's only valuable when it's good attention. And I'm not even talking about wins and losses because the Suns have always been an iconic franchise here in the Valley, even when they weren't good. And so being connected with the Phoenix Suns meant something, means something. The good news in that is the brand of the Phoenix Suns is so established, not just in Arizona, but around the NBA and around the world, that long term, the Suns brand will transition the the transgressions of the managing partner. And I think everyone says long term they believe that's true. But what the Suns need to do now is mitigate damage. The owners of this team, looking at reputation, I'm not making it all about dollars and cents, but you're talking about business people that invested millions of dollars to be a part of a part ownership in a franchise where the entire franchise is being questioned right now because they're asking, how are you going to handle it? The vice president of the organization has come out and said, we want Robert Sarver to step down, that uh, that kind of behavior can't be tolerated just because you're the owner of a team. Wealth and privilege have no place here. Uh, You can't behave like that. You can't treat people like that over an extended period of time and expect to keep your job. Somebody else would lose their job if they um, behave that way. So the the head of the league, the commissioner, made it very clear, saying, I don't have the authority to do that. And so now will it happen from within? Because now you've got the first sponsor that's saying, if he comes back, we will leave. What happens, what happens if a Devin Booker or another player on the team comes out and says, uh, I can't do, what if Monty Williams, Monty Williams, um, we are so fortunate Blessed, whatever you want to call it, to have Monty Williams as the head coach of that team if you're a fan on any level. He is a quality human being, not just a a phenomenal coach. He is someone that the players admire and they want to play for. He represents himself and that team very well. He is a pillar in the community. He is a good man. And he puts great value on not just being a good coach, but being a good man. He's humble. He's everything you would want in a human being, not just a coach, in a human being. He's an admirable man. If Monty Williams were to go behind the scenes and say to the management of the Phoenix Suns, and I'm not encouraging him to do this. I'm saying, would this be a game changer? If Monty Williams said, I said a long time ago, last November, when this investigation was going on, I never saw anything like this, and you people know me. If I had ever seen anything like that happening now, I wouldn't be here. And people believed him. What if Monty Williams is sitting down with his family and says, you know what, Um, I don't think this went far enough either, and I understand they have a business decision to make, but I don't want to be a part of that decision. So if the Phoenix Suns are going to bring back Robert Sarver as the managing partner in a year, I'm going to leave. That would be a bombshell. Now, it's all conjecture. I'm not saying he's going to. I haven't heard anything. No one's heard anything. But I'm saying that's on the money side of things. That's what PayPal is doing. And will it encourage other people to do it as well? 
I don't know the answer. But I do know that these are not good days for the Phoenix Suns. And it's, it's a shame. They're getting ready to start camp with all this hanging over their heads. So we'll see if something gets done. Uh, going to talk about the military coming up in a few moments. Big changes to policies, but done very quietly. We'll talk about both in just a moment. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do it. It's easy to do. Never miss a minute of the Mike Broomhead Show. It's simple on any device. And a big thank you to Carol Rice Keller Williams Realty East Valley for the sponsorship this week. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers at highest price, ourhigherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. So uh, we've been I've been one of the battles that happens online is because I get called out. I admit when I'm wrong and I was wrong, wrong, wrong to a certain extent about COVID-19. And here's why. Um, And I'm not saying I would or would not have, but I certainly would have asked more questions. Um, We were told and you can't change history. We were told that the COVID-19 vaccine prevented the spread because that's what vaccines do prevented the spread of COVID-19 the only way to prevent the spread is to get vaccinated and boosted that's what we were told so I went out and got two vaccinations and I got a booster then we found out and I believe this to be true that it will lessen the severity of the symptoms but it doesn't necessarily stop the spread well We saw people losing their minds, and this is where I called people out on social media and saying to them, you guys were saying to people that were anti-vaxxers that they should lose their jobs and lose their children. Maybe not you personally, but it was out there. That was the social media level of animosity and anger. You're killing people. You're responsible for deaths. That's that was the mantra. And you can't change that part of history. So they, what they've done is as information comes in, you make changes. But they do it very quietly because of how they yelled and screamed at people for so long. So I have two examples. The United States Navy quietly cancels vaccine requirement orders for the SEAL teams. And the United States Marine Corps rescinds penalties for service members seeking COVID-vax religious accommodations. So as quietly right now, there are a couple of things at play here that everyone should be aware of. The United States military is missing its recruiting goals by a very big margin in some areas. Uh, They're having a hard time with the availability of employment that's out there, with the availability of working from home and money that's available and sign-on bonuses and everything else. The military is having a hard time meeting its recruiting goals. Now, you're always going to have a segment of our society that is kind of a legacy. Their family members served in the military. They are going to serve in the military. It's a source of pride for them. It's a source of duty for them. And I think that that is an amazing attribute in a young man or a young woman that wants to serve their country in the military. I truly Truly do. But enticing and encouraging other people to see the value in it a lot of times takes more. And they're missing the mark because it's hard to keep up with whatever other companies in corporate America are doing with the same quality individuals, trying to attract them to their business. So they're having a hard time meeting their recruiting goals. At the same time, they were very vocally, 
very vocally saying to members of the military, you will get vaccinated or you will get thrown out of the military. And you can apply for a, 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 a religious exemption. And there were a couple of cases in the Air Force where there were Air Force uh, pastors, you know. They were chaplains in the Air Force and other branches that were denied religious exemptions from the vaccine. And people were separating from the military because they didn't want to get a vaccine. Now the military, and I don't believe it's because of political pressure. I believe the evidence is there that shows them that the vaccine is not exactly as it was billed. That there's, there is no guarantee of prevention. And the vast majority of people that are joining the military are young. You know, it's interesting that the the age group of 20 to 44 years old, that age group in Arizona and nationally is overwhelmingly the highest infection group of all by a it's not even close. I'll give you the Arizona numbers as of this Wednesday. Um, There have been just under 950 thousand cases in Arizona, 950,000. The next closest group is the under 20 group at 467,000, half. The uh, smallest, or I would say the the one that's at the highest risk is the older people at 284,000. Um, what's interesting is of 467,000 cases, let's go this way, and out of 950,000 cases, there's only 24,500 hospitalizations and 1,688 deaths total in Arizona. With older people, it's over 22,000 deaths. So younger people get it and spread it to each other, but they are not dying from it. So if there is someone that doesn't believe in vaccinations, they were being thrown out of the military when they weren't meeting their require their their uh, recruitment goals. Now they're reversing those things. That's a smart move for the military. Thank God they did it. I think it's a great thing that they did it. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, we've got to talk about the stock market. What's happened this week, what's happened this month, what's happened this year, how it's affecting the average person. Interest rates going up. What's that going to do to your wallet? All that's coming up next.